Hi, this is Rachel Collins, Principal Research Lead for Financial Management at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is part of a series on internal controls, where we wanted to answer some of the many recent and important questions that we've received on this key topic. I'm pleased to be joined by Chris Doxey, an author, speaker, and management consultant who is passionate about improving financial processes. Chris has extensive experience with transforming financial operations, implementing self-audit tools, and automating internal controls. So without further ado, here's the chat. Welcome, everybody. Today, we are having a conversation with Chris Doxey, our subject matter expert for a new project that we're working on, on new developments in internal controls. And today we'll be talking about the relationship between internal audit and internal controls. One of the frequent questions that we get asked by our customers and our members. So I'd like to start off, Chris, and ask you, I guess, starting from the beginning, um, what is the purpose and mission of an internal audit department? And who do you see internal audit usually reporting to? Yeah, that, that's a real good question. Uh, you know, first of all, there, there's been a lot of um, questions on, well, gee, what's the difference between internal audit and, you know, in any sort of internal controls department? Because really they have a very similar goal and, and mission. However, internal audit is uh, focused on the independence. So they need to be an independent group, if you will, or department. And they're focused on objectivity and making sure that there's assurance that controls are being uh, designed and met throughout the company. And, you know, again, I think there's been an evolution of internal audit over the years. It used to be pretty much, um, you know, going around auditing with checklists and not really looking at adding value to the organization. And now I think we're seeing auditors becoming more of that consultant and they're looking at adding value. And I think a lot of that evolution is really due to the fact that internal controls have improved and models for internal controls have improved quite a bit over the year, over the years. And basically what auditors are looking for is, is that control in place? And so they don't have to do a lot of checking and you know using all these uh, outdated checklists anymore. They really focus more on consulting and insurance and typically audit reports to the um, audit committee. And um, that's the chief audit executive, CAE, usually reports to the audit committee and publicly traded companies and administratively to the um, CEO. And as we know, the audit committee is a board committee. And um, that's pretty much a traditional uh, reporting relationship. However, in smaller uh, private companies, that auditor or that CAE may report to the CFO. But again, stressing that independence and stressing that overall role as being a custodian for the organization, whether it's a private or a publicly held company. So how do you see internal audit then supporting the internal controls program? And I think you started to get into that a little bit in the answer to the previous question? Yeah, an internal controls program really should be in the hands of the business um, operations or the 
operational owners of processes like accounts payable, accounts receivable, and there might be an oversight, which could be that internal controls organization. And what the internal controls organization is responsible for is really managing and uh, being responsible for executing the controls. And, you know, again, there's going to be, uh, I think, you know, from a governance perspective, uh, almost a layer, if you think about it. So we've got um, the board of directors, we've got the board uh, committees, which our committee is one. Then we have the chief operating um, uh, organization or the C-suite. And then we've got, um, you know, internal auditors, then we've got internal controls organizations, and then we've got the control activities being managed by the business process owners that, that I mentioned. And um, internal audit is really there to examine the adequacy and effectiveness of, of those controls that we're talking about. And so they're reporting results or problems um, up to senior management as well as um, the audit committee. And you know, I'm, I'll use an example I've used before in my experience at MCI, the internal audit uh, department reported from an administrative perspective, uh, not to the CEO, but to the CFO and directly to the audit committee. But that audit committee, you know, again, is a whole nother podcast or a whole nother conversation, but that audit committee is there to really make sure that the company is, is um, staying in good shape for risk mitigation and adequacy of controls. So yeah, so there's, it's almost a, a little segregation of duties where internal controls, if we look at it as a process, is making sure that controls are effective within that specific business area. Internal controls department is the oversight and then internal audit is really gonna be your check and balance for the assurance. Okay, and so a follow-up to that then is um, should or how do you see internal audit leveraging the results of the internal controls assessments then? Yeah, what, what I've seen is that internal, and this is, you know, going back to quite a few, quite a few years, internal audit will take and, and look at the results of an internal controls program. And that could be executed by a self-assessment um, process. It could be executed or the controls could be tested and, you know, validated with uh, some sort of a, um, a solution, an automated solution. And what they're really looking at is almost validating to make sure that those controls are covered and they would cover the gaps. And again, they would jump in and look at um, any opportunities for best practice improvement and, and that kind of thing. But basically what they're looking at is, okay, almost if we think about an external auditor and an internal auditor, uh, external auditors look at the results of all this internal control stuff that we're talking about and the results of um, audits. And if we put internal audit kind of in that independence role, they'll take a look at what internal control programs are doing and make um, recommendations and also say, say if uh, you know, we're missing anything. So they could say, oh, okay, well maybe we need to add some controls or maybe even alleviate um, some controls activities because it's too much. You know, we need to focus on the areas that have the highest risk. So yep, absolutely. Audit should be leveraging internal control assessments and particularly if you have a self-assessment, um, control self-assessment process or CSA, uh, that's a perfect mechanism for 
audit or internal audit to take a look at and say, all right, maybe, you know, again, I should focus on these areas. And if we go back a step, internal audit usually starts defining the scope of their work for the following year by defining what I call the audit universe. And they may take that approach and say, all right, these areas are covered by solid uh, control self-assessments. I don't need to dig as deep. I still need to, to look, I still need to do you know, an, um, due diligence, but I really don't need to focus on an area that doesn't have a self-assessment. So yep, it's, it's, you know, it's all about governance and partnerships. All right, great. That makes a lot of sense. So we talked a little bit about the purpose and the mission of the audit department um, and how internal audit and internal controls work together. Um, we do get a lot of questions from customers around, you know, the size of the internal audit department at an organization um, and KPIs. So maybe we start with the question, uh, you know, from your experience, what do you, what do you see or what should be the ideal, if there is an ideal size of an internal audit department at an organization? Yeah, I did a lot of research on that. Um, and I find that, you know, some, some of the metrics are number of auditors per revenue. And, you know, to me, that's kind of a phony metric or false metric, because what we really want to look at is the internal audit department being driven by the, uh, I guess, the adequacy and effectiveness of an internal controls program. And it, it, I guess if we're leveraging self-assessments and results of programs, we really don't need to have as many auditors. And, um, you know, it depends on if, you know, there's been a, a huge fraud or there's been, uh, you know, a merger and acquisition, there could be a, a very large size internal audit department. And the ones that I've worked um, in and for, I guess, you know, even at large uh, computer companies, we're not looking at a lot of people. We're looking at effectiveness and, you know, again, leveraging existing processes. And I think the largest one that I've come across is, is about 30 people. And that includes um, the, um, the staff, the, uh, the management team. And, you know, again, that's going to be really driven by how effectiveness um, the, you know, the, the internal controls program is. And if there's a huge, you know, concern about risk, that department may increase. And I just wanted to mention that many organizations totally outsource their internal audit department. And um, so you'll see, you know, organizations like Deloitte and, and KPMG offering audit services. And, you know, that is, is um, adding, you know, some complexity to the metric because they're, you know, in a shared service type of organization, which we've talked about. But again, there's a lot of nuances and a lot of considerations, but the benchmark, you know, is going to really be different depending upon the industry and whether, uh, you know, the responsibilities aren't clearly defined. So besides outsourcing, I just wanted to mention, I've seen um, an en energy company that I recently worked with that has uh, put internal controls in the hands of internal audit, and that's all been outsourced. And I don't really care for that model because we're not embedding controls into the company like, like um, you know, we've talked about in previous podcasts. What about, what are some of the top um, key performance indicators that organizations should be tracking regarding the internal audit department? 
Yeah, there, there's about five top ones. It's starting with um, how effective is the department? How effective is the internal audit department? So we can look at this audit universe that I talked about. We could say, okay, what's the percentage of the audit plan completed? And, you know, again, if we don't complete our plans on time, they, you know, they would have to indicate why if they were, you know, doing investigations or that sort of thing. Um, and the next one that I like to look at is the count or the number of issues found and the recommendations made. And, you know, I go back, you know, again, several years where auditing was a, pretty much a scorecard and the more issues that uh, internal audit found, that was a good thing. Um, kind of an old fashioned view, you know, and, and, um, and so it was a number of issues, but yeah, it's not just the issues, but what are you recommending? And from a, a business owner perspective, if internal audit has done a report, we would um, kind of use the metrics from that report as, okay, how many have we remediated? How many recommendations have we implemented? So again, that's where you start to see that partnership. And the next uh, metric or the third metric to think about is the number of recommendations implemented on time. So when audit does a report, they'll say, all right, implement segregation of duties controls by December 31st, 2021. And they would go back and do a post audit review to see how many of those recommendations were completed with the one I just mentioned being an example. Another one, which is um, number four, is the hours spent per audit. And, you know, again, this is pretty interesting because if you're using automated uh, audit tools and self-auditing and leveraging self-assessment uh, results, your hours are gonna go quite uh, down and that's gonna be an indication of reducing cost and having, you know, auditors have opportunity to spend more time on um, doing that um, consulting and, and assurance role. And the last one is kind of a traditional one and it's pretty, pretty interesting, but it's looking at the people and the qualifications. And number five uh, is the certifications or number of certifications held by team members, whether they're CPAs or certified internal auditors. Um, I've seen some companies that actually look at level of education that their auditors have, have um, attended. So that's one to think about as well. So those are the top five that, that I've been seeing. That's awesome. I love the balanced kind of approach there that you that you recommend to the KPIs, the people and the other um, the other measures there. Uh, that's definitely something that APQC would agree with in terms of taking a balanced approach to measurement. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for your insights on this topic. We really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. This is Rachel Collins. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. We encourage you to check out Chris Doxey's books, the New Accounts Payable Toolkit, the Controllers Toolkit, the Internal Controls Toolkit, and the Fast Close Toolkit. For more insights, please visit apqc.org to see our new research collection on new developments in internal controls. Thanks again and have a great rest of your day.